All right, you're listening to the Bon Appetit Foodcast. I'm Adam Rappaport. On today's show, LA's favorite Frenchman, Ludo Lefebvre. Ludo, chef, owner of Trois Mecs, Petit Trois, and Trois Familia, as well as Ludo Bird, his amazing fried chicken sandwich franchise. Awesome story on Ludo in our December-January issue, Out Now, in which he cooks the perfect steak au poivre and does fondue and all sorts of other snowy treats. All right, here's Ludo and me talking restaurants, cooking, and what it's like being an expat Frenchman in sunny Los Angeles. So how old are your kids now? Uh, five years old. And they don't need anything? No, it's getting uh, more difficult to feed them good food now. They're not, they're, like, they're American kids, they're not French kids? They're both. They're both. <laughs> you know, they're both. You know, they're both. But no, it's very difficult. When they are, I remember when they're three years old, four, they eat everything. I was so excited about that. I'm so proud of my kid. And now, guess what? Uh, you know, they're like everybody uh, kids now. It's more difficult now to make them eat vegetable yeah. or good fish, you know. You know, when I do a nice sole meunier at home, they prefer to have their fish stick. <laughs> exactly. Pro, you know, <laughs> my son, uh, my son. So yeah, I have a very difficult eater. Uh, my son Marlon just turned nine, and he won't eat chicken if it's not breaded. So he would probably like. Uh, he probably it's like good. Ludo Bird. He, he would come out to yeah. Ludo Bird and enjoy your your fried chicken place. I love it too. Um, but it's like, yeah, they actually chickens don't come that way. You have to, they're, 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 you know, um, <laughs> trying to explain to him roast chicken is just like it's such a foreign concept. And yeah, as as a dad, we're just like, oh my god, it feels yeah. so bad. Uh, but they can be very stubborn. But bread chicken, it's good. You have a good palate, Wilson. Um, I love bread chicken. <laughs> so let's, let's. Talk, I want to talk fried chicken with you. I want to talk about how you got started as a chef. Um, you, so you, you you've got Ludo Bird, you've got uh, Trois Mecs and Petit Trois. Um, all these sort of very LA restaurants, uh, but you're, uh, as I think you described yourself in the latest sort of uh, season of Mind of a Chef, you're just a redneck from uh, from Burgundy. <laughs> I do. I am. I'm a redneck from Burgundy. Um, not a lot of things happen in Burgundy. Yeah. Just wine and food. So, at what point did you say I want to? get involved in serious cooking and, and, and work in Michelin-starred places back in France when you were young? I started cooking at 14 years old, get kicked out one time from school, and my dad don't know what to do with me. And one day he told me, you're going to, you're going to go to work now to learn a job, a métier. And he told me, you have three choices. You can be a, a hairdresser, you can be a mechanician, like fixing a car, you know, fixing the car, change your oil, or you can be a cook. And I pick, oh, I'll be a cook, I love to eat. Yeah, that's it. And I was before cooking a little bit with my grandma, you know, like crepe or fake bread with the powder yeah, mixed yeah. with water, you know. Did you did you have any idea how how taxing and demanding working in a in a in a really good French kitchen would be? I have no idea, you know. So I remember the first day I came, I went to my first walk in the in the first kitchen. I have no idea where I was putting my feet. No idea. Like, yeah, I want to be a chef, but at 14 years old. I never realized how it was a, a very long hour and a lot, a lot of discipline in the kitchen. And I guess I like the discipline because I was a bad, not a bad kid, but do stupid things, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and actually, I love the discipline. At 14 years old, I love it. When people tell me what to do, still clean the floor or peel potato or do the dishwasher, I love it. So at what, at what point did you realize that you actually had some, some skill and some talent? Uh, I would say maybe 
14 years ago. Not before that. Really? I think it was in 96 mm -hmm. when I moved here in America, in Los Angeles in 96, and when I become a chef, you know? Yeah, but, 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 but what about going back before that? Like, I don't know, I don't but know. You do know, like, why, why did those chefs, you're talking about like me? guys oh. like Gagnier and Pessard, these legendary French chefs, why did they have confidence in you? Because I was always on time, I always <laughs> say yes. Still, when they abuse me, I say yes, more chef, please, you know. But uh, because uh, I was always ready, I was always, uh, I think because I was very consistent, mm -hmm. you know. Which is hugely important. It's those. very important in the kitchen, you know. I was very, very consistent and uh, always ready on time for service. I was taking my job very seriously. What there's a, a big difference between being a cook and being a chef, obviously, and and creativity and thinking on your own. Um, when I mean, did you start doing that? You know, it take very very late. You know, like I say, when I start when I start to be a, a head chef at Laurentry. Before that, I was just, uh, you know, listening to the chef and do what he was uh, saying. Like, okay, you do a salmonier, do like this. Mm -hmm. I was just listening to my chef. At my time, when I was in the kitchen, Adam, you don't have really the opportunity to be creative. Mm -hmm. You say, we chef, and yeah. you do what the chef saying, you know. Like now, the kitchen are more open. Like now, like at Tromek, I create dishes with my cooks. Uh, and, and, they, my, and they actually have input. Yes, they can and put pitch ideas. And some ideas. <laughs> I don't know when I was uh, 18 years old or 20 years old, if Pierre Gagnier who came to see me in the kitchen, Ludo, let's go work on the on the meat dish together. <laughs> I don't know if I will be uh, creative. You know, I don't know. So, but now time changed. Kids now, young cook are very creative. Well, it's, I want to talk about that because it, it seems like such a different world. Yeah, becoming a chef now, especially in America, compared to Paris, working at a Michelin three star restaurant. Um, when you went to Langerie, which at the time was kind of the classic French restaurant in in, in L.A., um, do you remember like what 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 was the first dish that you yourself created that you were like, oh, this is pretty good? Yeah, I almost get fired for that, but uh, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> what, 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 what was it? So I was working at Langerie uh, in Los Angeles, uh, and it was in the nineteen ninety eight, um, and I was a chef over there for three years. And uh, I was cooking very classic French food, but I think the first dish I did it was uh, was start to be a little myself, creative, and not just classic French because Laurentry was very classic French food. Uh, it was like a warm asparagus salad with a foie gras ice cream. The owner went crazy, <laughs> but it was like the warm, you know, and the cold together, and the foie gras was an ice cream. So at that time, it was very fancy, you know. Yeah. And uh, ice cream was not very uh, trained yet. Like, yeah. You don't put ice cream with savory. Do dish. you think the dish was good or just kind of different? Uh, I think it looking can back be, at it, be better. But uh -huh. I think the concept uh, was not bad actually. You know, mm -hmm. it was uh, warm and warm and cold together. The foie gras melting. It, it's cold. Yeah, it was making sense. Was that the beginning of the end for you at Langerie? Do you think? Yes, I think so because after I realized it was a lot of different door for cooking and not just classic French. Mm -hmm. All my life, I cook classic French in France too, you know, with the same ingredients and everything. But when I moved in, uh, in Los Angeles in 96, I discovered so many flavors at that time uh, we didn't have in Paris. You know, like we don't have a current food in Paris in the 90s. We don't have a, uh, a lot of sushi restaurant mm. in the 90s. So all this food I didn't know before, Mexican food. Yeah. I never 
test Mexican food before before '96. But at a restaurant like La Rangerie, the owner didn't want those influences. No, they don't want that. For, yeah. You want classic French. So I discovered this flavor, and I cannot I cannot use this flavor in my cooking. Yes. So that's what after I left Laurangerie to go on my own. So you went to Bastide. To Bastide, yeah. Where well, like I can express myself, do whatever I want. And so, what and what was that like? So when you opened the restaurant, what was the reception like? What were the expectations for that restaurant? Uh, they expecting French food, you know, butter cream. I was all my technique are French, but I was using a lot, of, still a lot of different flavor uh, I never used before from Los Angeles. So it wasn't very interesting. Like you can eat in the in 2000, I was doing a foie gras and kimchi. Yeah, who's making sense? You know, in France we do foie gras with cabbage. Yeah, and kimchi is cabbage. You know too. So I was really play with a lot of different flavor and a lot of different combinations. So it was a big risk for Los Angeles. Some people understand that. Some they didn't. Yeah, like food critics say it was amazing. Some they kill me. <laughs> You know? if, if you're not pissing off someone, you're not doing your job. No, exactly. You know. Yeah. Um, what, what was that like? So being being a head chef in the kitchen and and being in charge of people, and especially young American cooks, what was that like for you? And how challenging was that to be a boss? Uh, I love to be the boss. I love to be the chef uh, because uh, my main thing when I'm cooking, I really really love to teach, and uh, that's what I love to have a young cook with me because I love to teach. Uh, I'm very proud to be their mentor. I have so much luck in life where I am now because I have a very good mentor with me, like Pierre Garnier, uh, Marc Menot, yep. Mr. Passard, always helped me for a lot of things. And so I really want to pass that also to the new generation. Okay, know? all right, so that sounds very correct, polit politically correct, mm -hmm. but I've been to Trois Mecs before, mm -hmm. I also watched that Jonathan Gold documentary. Mm -hmm. You are a very intimidating person in the kitchen. There are times where you, you have a stare. I don't know what the word is, but it's very intense. And like when a young chef screws up, I feel like you're like burning lasers through yeah, it. But you can be tough on the chefs. Yeah, I know them. Sometimes, <laughs> yes, you know, yeah, you're right. Sometimes you need to have some discipline. You have a time for playing and sometimes to be serious. But how do, you, how do you balance that? Uh, it's very it, being simple. disciplined and also being inspiring and, and, and mentoring them, you know? So when I get in mad, you know, I'm just uh. taking a Xanax. <laughs> and, no, I'm uh, it's LA. It's cool, man. <laughs> um, look, I'm getting older now. I have yeah. kids, so I'm more mellow now. Yeah. You know, but, but I, I think to scream in the kitchen and for express yourself, you know, it's, it's finished that. Uh, you need to just taking time and breathe and just talk with the cook and make sure you understand, you know, and repeat. It's about teaching. There's a great scene in this season's Mind of a Chef mm -hmm. on PBS, of which you are the, the the star chef, I guess, which they follow you around uh, for how many episodes with you? Eight. It? Eight. Um, and you are at your Ludo Bird uh, franchise mm -hmm. at the Staples Center. Um, mm -hmm. And you're explaining to these fast food workers how to make a fried chicken sandwich mm -hmm. and how to make it well. And yeah. and and that matters. And, and doing that well, there's a technique that there's the right way and there's the wrong way. So hard. You know, to, to do fried chicken for the mass is very difficult, but fried chicken need to be bread. You have a technique for that. Yeah, let's talk about your technique you for know, the sandwiches. I mean, because when I grew up in France, we do roasted chicken. It's the same concept, Adam. In the three-star Michelin restaurant, the chicken need to be crispy, the skin, and moist. The meat need to be moist. So how, you do, you, how, do, you, so how do you achieve chicken, that it's at, at Ludo It's the same concept. It's the same concept. So what's your technique? You know, the technique is really to uh, uh, 
uh, breading the chicken uh, an hour before. And what is so? How do you break? Dry, talk about. wet, dry. Okay, so flour, flour, buttermilk, flour, and then. And do after, you, what do you season? Do you season? Uh, season with uh, paprika, mm -hmm. with garlic, uh, onions, uh, powder, and a lot of herbs de Provence to mm -hmm. put a little uh, French touch on that, you know. But, you know, and after the, the, the flour and the buttermilk become very gluey, mm -hmm. so it will stuck to the meat. And, and you have, really pack, the, pack it in there. Pack, you, you know, you have the, in the flour, mm -hmm. you, in the liquid, the first liquid, you, put, you need to create the lumps. Mm -hmm. You know, you want a big lumps on the chicken. That's what yeah. makes the chicken crispy. Those big, craggy yeah, pieces. Yeah, I love that, man. And so you put it in after you go flour, egg, Eggs. wash, and then yeah. when you put it in that next one, first of all, you flour. put a little bit of egg wash in that flour so it gets lumpy, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. And yeah, then you exactly. really got to pack it in there pack with your it, hands. like very strong, you know, and after, again, you go get in the, in the, in the wet and after uh, dry. But it's a process, Adam. You know? But you have and to teach the people teach. who are working at Little yes. Bird, if they don't understand that, then, no. the, then the chicken sandwich isn't any good. Yeah, no, it's... it's, it's It's, I know it's fried chicken, but I care. I want them to care too, to be proud about what they're doing. I'm so proud of a perfect, crispy fried chicken sandwich. I love it. You know, I'm so proud of that. So like I'm proud to be at, at Ludo Bird, au Trois Mecs, au Petit Trois. I love to cook uh, everywhere, you know, in the, in the stadium or uh, in my kitchen. I care. So how do you ensure quality when you're not around, when you're not at Ludo Bird or if you're not at Trois Mecs one day or Petit Trois? Do you worry? Feel. I'm worried every day, yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. I mean, you know, it's my job to teach them, but mistakes happen, you know. It's hard to be consistent, you know. Yeah. A mistake happen. Well, that yeah. goes back to what you were saying in, in a, you know, at a, at a restaurant like Arpege. Uh, it's Pessar's job to create, to be creative, but it's the line cook's job to be consistent. To be consistent. You, you know? know. Listen, in cooking and anything, any business, if you don't have a good team, you are nobody. I don't cook every night in my restaurant, and that's true. You know, my staff, my chef... André, or my chef Will at B3, or Gary at Trois Familia, you know, they're over there and make sure everything's okay. I'm not in a lot of chefs now who are not in our restaurant anymore. Yeah. And it's just true, the thing changed. In my time in the 90s, the chef was always in this restaurant. It's crazy how things change now, how the lifestyle changed. That's a lifestyle. Well, it's almost like now if you're a successful you know? chef, you have to have yes. some sort of fast casual concept like mm -hmm. Little Bird or yeah. Shake Shack Shake or Shack, yeah. Jose Andres doing uh, beef, beef steak, steak and stuff. Yeah, uh -huh, you, yeah, you need that as much as, yeah. a, as anything. As anything, exactly. And I think also chef now, we, we I think, uh, for myself, I realize as a chef, I don't need to be in the three-star Michelin restaurant to do good food. Yeah. I can do a good sandwich and enjoy eating a good sandwich in the sun, in Central Park, in the afternoon. It's amazing too. Yeah. You need to be in the fancy you, restaurant. You might even enjoy that more. <laughs> it's a little cool, you know. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know, but, uh, you know, but no, you know what I mean? It's, I realized that as a chef, you can, good people love lobster, yeah. but people love also uh, a sandwich. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think a chef, we need to, sorry, and I think a chef, we need to cook for everybody. And you also, you, you don't need white tablecloths and Bernadeau China. And, and after you left Bastide, you started doing the Ludo Bites pop-ups. What? How many years? I did that for uh, five years. How'd you make a wife. living? And talk about that. Like, how did... It wasn't bad a living, actually. You know, because when you look the the, the business before uh, being a Ludo Bird, the pop-up restaurant, I, it was no investment for me. I was renting a restaurant. So you'd find a space for how, yeah. how long would each one last? Uh, three months, four months. Three. So I was just renting a space where the, the restaurant was equipped with a, equipped with a chair, table, a fork. There a was plate. already a kitchen yeah. set up. So and... it was not uh, any expense for me. I was entering the restaurant, paying my rent, and make money right away. And so they're, they're sort of in between, in between tenants. And so, okay, mm -hmm. we got a space if you want to use it. Yeah. And, yeah. 
And how many how many nights a week would you do? Uh, it was depends. Sometimes can be four or five. It depends on where I was, you know, because Ludo Bird, Ludo Bite, sorry, was my pop-up restaurant. But every month we are uh, moving around Los Angeles, different location, almost like a circus, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and how? And, and all the time was a different location and different menu, different show. So. And what? And what? And what, and what role did your wife play in this? Uh, everything. Everything. She, yeah, she, runs, she, she runs a tight ship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of men, uh, successful men, have a smart woman behind. That's true. Um, yeah, you know? she's, she's very organized. Could, oh, yeah. could, you have done it, could you have done it without her? No, I will not no. be here now if I was not marrying my wife, definitely. Yeah. I'm a good chef. I know how to cook, but it's a lot behind, too. You know, people don't see. Yeah. And Chrissy do a lot of things, you know, yeah, a lot. Um, yeah, it, it, that's, and that's the difference between running a good restaurant and running a profitable no. restaurant. Yeah, exactly. And just, yeah. Um, and so, so you did that for what three years or so? Yeah, four years almost. Four years, four months, four how, years. And how many different you did? How many pop ups? Uh, Twelve. Twelve over the in three four months yeah. each. So yeah, that's yeah, up. it was good, huh? It was fun. So you were you were making a living. Yeah, doing well. And freedom, Adam. Freedom, freedom for a cook. It was yeah. so good to have my freedom and do what I want. I was not anymore in the fancy. Restaurant with a white top, yeah. white jacket, white tablecloth. I was doing what I want. The first time in my life, yeah. and it was and, amazing. And it's a good feeling. Liberty. A, a chef like in New York City. I mean, you're if you have one of those restaurants, you're paying hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in rent. Trust me, I know. I heard a lot that. of pressure. Like a lot of people ask me, why you don't do all the time? People ask me, why you don't do a petit roi? Mm-hmm. You know, in New York, we have location for you. Yeah, what's the deal? No, thank you. I don't want to come. Yeah, it's too expensive. Yeah, no, it's a lot. It's a lot of work and you yeah, know, a very slim profit margin. So, you're doing these pop ups, you're having fun, and then you meet these two little short guys named John and Vinny. Ah, uh, John and Vinny. <laughs> yeah, I know it's crazy. Do pop up, you know, meet John and Vinny. We did a lot of dinner together, uh, a lot of fun. In mind of a chef, you say, yeah, John and Vinny, they are um, unique. <laughs> how how would you describe those two guys? Ah, these two guys, man, they are smart cookies. These two guys, you know. Uh, they take their job seriously, but not too seriously also. Yeah, because they, they kind of come off as the two yeah. most fun guys in yeah. L.A., but then you're like, wow, you guys are really smart. You run really sharp yeah. business. They have Animal and and uh, Son of a Gun and John and Vinny's and a hugely successful catering operation. John and Vinny, they did a lot for Los Angeles, you know, for yeah. like the last eight years, you know. Uh, they take a lot of risk with their food. They really created a lot of animals. It was really a new concept for Los mm-hmm. Angeles. Imagine what they did when, when they opened eight years ago, just feeling in Los Angeles like a little, uh, uh, a lot of brain, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. duck liver. I mean, yeah. all this part of the animals, uh, people don't want to eat really in Los Angeles, pig here. It was a big risk. But after people like it, you know, I think they're they great cook. They put a lot of flavor in their, in their food and they're very accessible. Yeah, I think that their cooking has really evolved you know? since Animal also. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of made that statement and then yeah. they've sort of evolved and matured since then. I don't know if matured, but yeah, evolved. Um, but there's one thing to like someone. There's another thing to actually go and do business with them. And so what business. convinced you that like, oh, well, I'm actually going to put my money on the line with these guys? Uh, Johnny is very smart. Yeah. You know, Johnny yeah. and Johnny are very smart. <laughs> when we did dinner together all the time at Animals, they saw how we sold out so fast, uh-huh. the three of us. So, but Johnny always put in my head, Ludo, you need to have your restaurant. Why your a chef like you don't have yeah. this own restaurant? And I say, yeah, I want to do my own restaurant, but you know, uh, raising the money, find a location, uh, create uh, the business, uh, have an operation. It takes time, and I never did that before in my life, you know. So, and Johnny always say, you know, man, I help you. Yeah. You know, we raise the money together, we put the system together, you know, we have everything already ready for you. And one day I say yes. I said to Johnny and Vinny, let's do it, guys. Let's do it. 
let's go find a, a restaurant and let's go do a restaurant together. And you ended up opening a restaurant in an old pizzeria in a strip mall. Voilà, called Ruffalo's. Yeah. Uh, Who the hell's it, idea, whose idea was that? In the beginning, the three of us want to open a chicken concept. Because, you know, I've been known for fried chicken. John Veni also been known for fried chicken sandwich, mm -hmm. you know. And we love, all love fried chicken. So we're driving in town with Steve, our broker, and looking for a little spot to do a, a fried chicken. And uh, we find the Ruffalo's pizza in the strip mall it's next to Moza, next to the gas station. So when you first found the Ruffalo pizza space, you were thinking we could do a, a chicken concept yeah, here? chicken concept, you know. And then when did that idea change? With Vinny, we went four years ago, we went in August in Copenhagen. Yeah, Mad Food Camps. Mad Food Camps. Uh -huh. And I came back. We want to do, uh, with Vinny, we want to do a, a little set menu restaurant. Mm -hmm. Boom, we work on that. Yeah. After. And, that's, and after, it just become uh, my restaurant after. At what point did you say, you know what, guys, I want to have you as my business partners, but I want to do this restaurant as my own, as a chef? Uh, it just become naturally. Mm -hmm. You know, after we realized with Vinny and Johnny, we cannot be three chefs in the kitchen. It's, yeah. it's too small here. And voilà. So, you know, we put uh, three make uh, together, still make decisions together for the design, for... Uh, Know the ticket system, uh, all uh, the concept, the price. So That's like 26 seats? Yeah, 26 seats. Yeah. And, and two sitting every night. Mm -hmm. Yeah, set menu. Set menu. And how would you describe the food there? And, and, has, uh, it, and has it changed over the last the food, years? Uh, the food, I would say, uh, the, the, uh, it's, it's fresh food, of course. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, French technique and flavor around Los Angeles. And Los you Angeles know? being basically set flavors menu, yeah. of the world. Yeah, set menu and, uh, you know, you eat what I want. And um, that's what it is, you know. Every night, it's a, it's a it's a show, you know. It's a it's a yeah, it's a set menu. And if you're in town, how often do you try to be there during service? If I'm in town, I'm over there. Yeah, you know, all the time. You know, most of the time I'm in a restaurant. People are surprised to see me all the time. Yeah, very you know? well. He actually works. I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I leave a little bit early because I want to see my kids. You know. Yeah. But uh, no, but also I want to be with my cook. You know, I feel bad when I'm not there because they are working with me to, to learn from me. They want to be with me. So, you know, I need to support them too. It's my job as a chef. And so a couple of years later, you then opened Trois Mec next door in the strip mall in an old Thai restaurant. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of the, f the food you grew up with? So Trois Mec uh, was in the, in the strip mall and next to us, it was a little Thai restaurant. They went out of business. Um... So we decided with the boy to take the location. It was just 800 square feet, very tiny. What are we going to do over there? Bling. I have no idea what I want to do. And I say to the guys, we should do a bar with food. You know, we do a bar. We have a full liquor license. Let's go use that. And um, we're going to do a bar with food. My idea behind that, it was a, a restaurant I like in Paris uh, called L'Avant Comptoir. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a small place, a big bar with a kitchen and the bar together. And here over there, the cook just serve you some little French tapas, hors d'oeuvre, little plate. And people come here, drink, eat, stand up, and, and that's it. It's very tiny. So I decided to do that, but with a, a bar, with food, but with a very classic dish I was missing from France. And uh, classic, like I did not regret any dishes. It's just classic food. French classic food. You have the omelette that is hugely omelette, popular. Yeah, become famous for an omelette. Imagine, Adam. Did you? Yeah, what, what, what has become more? What is more successful than you thought it would be? But since the omelette. Yeah, but that, I that, mean, that's when the one. people was eating the omelette, you should see the face of people in the restaurant. Like, oh, 
<laughs> I never eat an omelette like this. Because I know the omelette is pretty good, you know, because it's very uh, uh, French the way I'm doing that, like no coloration, cook very slowly. And, you know, an omelette in France needs to be like a custard, yeah, like a creme brulee. You need to melt yeah. in your mouth. And most of most and Americans, we grow up going to omelettes in bad hotel bar, yeah, you know, exactly. the omelette bar, and it's they put crisp. all the, the, the chopped up yeah, ham and the peppers crispy. and onions like and they overcook like, it. Yeah, and it's, it's like terrible. A crispy, it's like a crispy yeah. crepe almost, you know. And uh, and uh, so, uh, yeah, I become famous for that. You know, it's it's funny for a little uh, omelette. Um, there's a funny scene in... in uh, in mind of a chef where John and Benny are talking about how John is talking about how how you've loosened up as a chef. How when you first came to LA you would wear a speedo to the beach. Yeah. And and now you're wearing board shorts. You're just letting it hang loose a little bit more. I know, I've always made I mean, I was so French at that time and it's true the French people sometimes we dress a little differently, <laughs> you know. I remember when I met my wife, uh one day I was dating my wife, Chrissy, and uh, I put my a white pen like a white jean, a uh-huh. Levi's, she, you know, like it was a 501. 501 is very, it's like a big deal in France, bro, yeah. okay? In my, <laughs> in my time, is a 96, 98, bro. Yeah. We all have a white Levi's, okay? And we go out the night with that. Very tired, I love it. <laughs> and my tired. wife saw me putting this white Levi's. She, she said, what are you doing? I put in my white jean? I was just dating, you know? That's what I do. Yeah. You're not going to go outside with that. I said, what? What's the problem with that? You know, and I put a pink shirt too, you know? But it's true, Johnny always... You know, do joke about me the way still a little bit now the way I sometimes address or when I tell him story about France. You know, all right. So there's there's that very famous or I may say infamous photo of you in your book Crave, the cookbook. Ludo is standing in the ocean with really tight jeans on, yeah. no shirt. Total, he has like an eight pack. Yeah, and he's holding. Are you holding a salmon in each hand? It what are you holding? Two big wild striped bass Stripe from bass. New Jersey, guys. Was bus. What were you thinking at the time that you took that photo? And what do you think now when you look at that photo? Man, at that time, I was, it, was in it was in 2002, get a deal to do a book, you know. And uh, yeah, I want to do my own book. But, you know, I was not in charge of my own book. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, so he's going to blame it on someone else. Yes. So who, uh, yeah. so, so who convinced you to take your shirt off and get in the ocean? Uh, Put two wilds right back. Let's say this girl have a vision uh-huh. on me, you know. <laughs> you know, she really loved my food. She came to the restaurant. And uh, she, I think she she liked me, you know, like we have a good relationship with her. And but you know, she always say, Ludo, I want Ludo sexy in the book. <laughs> you know, I want to see him sexy. I want him to see almost naked on the beach, mm. rolling, you know, in the big fish. <laughs> so actually, I've lucky have a gene in my in my in my uh, in my, uh, in in my book. speedo. Yes. Okay, guys. Okay. <laughs> but um, now I'm finished with two fish, you know. Uh, Big in the gene, big yeah. one, you know, uh, half naked uh, in the water, you know, so uh, California, yeah. you know. And at that time, if I want my book to be published, I have no choice to put a picture like this. <laughs> and I spent all the time and this money to do this book, so let's go do it. You know, it was in 2002. It was, uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, you want people to take you seriously, you know, but the picture, you know. Uh, I will say this, though, you were in really good shape back then. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if that time, Adam, in nine, in uh, two thousand two, have you started to retouching the picture? Have I what? Oh, they re- retouching the, the picture? picture? Yeah, <laughs> painting in your little ab <laughs> ab lines and stuff. You know, <laughs> retouching. It's it's an impressive shot. I'm sure there's some Photoshop. Every, everything, oh, every photo is retouched. A bit. Now, now it's not six pack. I know it's uh, one pack now. <laughs> one pack now. Um, 
Because you know we republish the sorry but no the code yeah. but we republish the book yes. uh, last year so I said to Chrissy my wife let's go do another picture like this with my real stomach knife, like that <laughs> she don't want to do that she's like no no no, no. Um, you uh, let's talk about it's interesting in terms of staying healthy and eating and being in shape um, so that's an interesting part of California and LA is a very sort of healthy city you. You, it, although a lot of you is, have really you've held on to your French traditions and indulgences and love and and one scene in mind of a chef when you're talking about a roast chicken in the chick fried chicken episode um you've got this beautiful poulet de breast bird with the head on and the feet and everything um you literally use a stick of butter in that recipe Americans always say oh my god there's like a stick of butter in that recipe you literally take like three quarters of a stick shove it in the cavity and then put it, the other quarter on top yeah did you really use that much butter when you use make a roast chicken yeah, all the time. That wasn't all just for TV? No, it was just for TV. Love <laughs> butter. Of course, we don't eat all the butter, but uh, yes, I want some flavor. I want to base the chicken. I want the chicken to have a little uh, bath of butter, like swimming yeah. in butter. Definitely. With flavor, but yeah, I want butter. Um, you know, I want. Are you a healthy eater at all in LA? When you yeah. do eat healthy, what do you eat? What do you like? He's like, uh, big. he's having to think on this one. He's like, Look, hmm. I eat a lot of salad. I love salad, uh, definitely. Okay. You know, with French vinaigrette. Are you, are you a juice guy? Do you do the no, whole juice? I don't do no, I do juice. I don't do this thing. No, no. Listen, I can stop smoking. I can stop you no know, drinking alcohol. I cannot stop eating bread or butter. <laughs> it's crazy. You're you French. See? Yeah. Every day I eat baguette and butter and my salad or uh, eggs or something. You know, I don't do really a diet. You know, I just eat small portion. I think yeah. that, yeah, that's what the French have always understood that, you know, you know? it's like, yeah, moderation. Moder yeah. Moderation. All right, Ludo, we're going to do our lightning round right now. Mm -hmm. Got some either or questions. Okay. Okay. And you got to answer them. Breast or thigh? Breast. Is that what you make the, what do you make the sandwich out of? Breast. Breast. Bone in or boneless? Bone in. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. Let's think. Uh, Hollywood or Venice Beach? Hollywood. Alps or Rockies? Alps. Alps. Do you go skiing every year? Yes. Every year. I take my kids. Are they good? Getting there? They go straight. They don't stop, but they, they're going. <laughs> Petnet or Nuit Saint-Georges? What's Petnet? Petnet. Like the, the more like the pet, pet naturel, the more organic natural wine. Ah, I love okay. that you don't even Nuit know what that is. Sorry, sorry. No, I didn't know that, no. No, I would say Nuit Saint-Georges. Yeah, good Burgundy. Oh, yeah. Um, and I'm from Burgundy, so be careful of them. <laughs> I'm not from France. I'm from Burgundy. <laughs> Just a redneck from Burgundy. Voilà. Uh, Guns and Roses or Nirvana? Uh, Guns and Roses. Did you ever see them back in the day? Yeah. Yeah. Flour or cornstarch? Hmm. Flour. Because you do when you do the duck confit yeah. fried chicken, you use cornstarch. Cornstarch. Wow, you know. You why know do you, why do you do that? Uh, because that's what I learned with the Chinese food. Mm -hmm. They use cornstarch, and I like it too. I think you know. And that's uh, more of an Asian style yes, fried chicken. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is a three-part one. Lakers, Clippers, or Kings? Kings. Do you actually go to the hockey games? Yeah, I love hockey. So if you especially have Ludo Bird at Staples Center, so I get tickets. Yeah. So uh -huh. next time you come, let me know. <laughs> but yeah, I love I love hockey. Fondue or French onion soup? Fondue. How do you? How do you? What, what's your? What's a, what's a technique? If I wanted to make fondue, what would I do at home? Mm, make sure, make sure to uh, put a little bit of cornstarch in your fondue. Uh -huh. Like this, uh, the fondue don't break. 
because you know when you keep it warm for a long time, yeah. sometimes the fat can can break. Yeah, it can so separate. put a little bit of a little cornstarch. Okay. You know, and a little bit of eau de vie. Eau de like vie. A, like a pear, a little yeah, bit yeah. of a pear. Okay. Yeah, it's right. good as the end. I like that. Um, scrambled or omelet? Omelet. Mm, of course. Um, John or Vinny? Wow. You only get one of them. Okay. I will say, uh, sorry, Johnny, I'm going to take Vinny. <laughs> um, pate or steak tartare? Steak tartare. What's your technique? What's the secret for making a good tartare? I use mayonnaise. I love it. Oh, mayonnaise, really? I know. And, and Dijon know, also? Yeah, yeah, Dijon. Yeah. I do like a, like a, almost like a mayonnaise, Dijon, ketchup, also yeah. sauce, sauce, cornichon. I like that when it's mushy like yeah, this. Yeah. I just love it, man, on the tartine. Well, I don't like too much the, the steak tartare cut with a knife or couteau. You I like lo- it more ground. ground. Yeah, oh, interesting. I, I love it like this. All so right, white wow. trash bougain. I don't know. I, I <laughs> like it, guys. I love what, mayo. What, what, oh, God, yes. Uh, what, what, what cut of uh, beef do you like to use for a tartare? For the, I, I use a hanger steak. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, all right. Last question. Butter or olive oil? Come on. <laughs> Come on. I got to wow. ask you. That's always the, the last French question. Butter. I'm not Italian. <laughs> Merci. Ludo. Merci. Merci. Bon appétit. Merci, Thank Adam. You. Ciao. This podcast has been brought to you by Carrie Polis, Emma Wurtzman, and Lily Sherman, with editing by Mitra Kaboli. Our theme music is by Valerie and the Gradies. We have new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to tell us about this or any other episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. Plus, we're also offering a deal with our podcast listeners. Go to bonappetit.com slash gift to see what we have. Thanks for listening.